Hi, I'm Amanda. And I'm Kim. And this is The Department, a podcast about trends and how they define the world around us. Forty-eight of the department, Kim. I feel like we haven't recorded in so long, I like a hundred years. So long. I'm like, what do I do with myself? <laughs> what were you doing? <laughs> what did you do with your Sunday nights when we usually record? Well, one of the Sunday nights, I was actually in Palm Springs, cool. which was really nice. I was on a little mini vacation, um, which was like you know the first one since really since I guess a little a small vacation to wine country, but. This was kind of the first one where it was just like, let's just get out of town. And it was really lovely. It was really hot. Yeah, um, I bet. <laughs> but it was so fun. <laughs> yeah, it was really, really hot. And then I actually had a wedding oh, on another right. Sunday. Yes. And it was also really hot because I was talking to you that yep, day. It was also really hot. Well, we're back. We've covered a lot of interesting trends here on the pod. And we've discussed trends that are inspiring and motivating, maybe even exciting very aesthetic, always very mm-hmm. aesthetic. But today we're going to talk about a darker, more insidious, super depressing trend, and that is trolling. <laughs> I'm sure you all have a lot of feelings mm-hmm. when I say that word. Kim and I were talking about it before we started recording, and we were both like, uh, yeah, like fear. Yeah. Anxiety, fear. It's, it's a reason to stay <laughs> off of internet and social media all together sometimes. Yeah, it really is. Before we get into all of that, because there's so much to unpack here, this is actually going to be part one of a two-parter. I know Kim has her Mm -hmm. usual spiel to share with you. Yes, please make sure to follow us on your preferred streaming service. We realized that we weren't like set up with Stitcher properly. (laughs) We fixed it last (laughs) week. So if... (laughs) It took about 15 seconds. It did. Like someone, someone had to actually like tell us on Instagram that they couldn't connect to Stitcher or they couldn't find us. And I was like, well, that's so odd. I thought it just worked. And no, it doesn't just work. Yeah, there you go. Um, Surprise. So if you have problems finding us, you know, we'll definitely look into it um, on any of the, the streaming services. We definitely want to be found. So let us know. Um, and also then make sure to follow us um, because obviously it tells you when when our, our new episodes are dropping and things like that. Um, and also, you know, do us a favor and share the podcast with a friend, you know, that's kind of how we really, really do get the word out there and grow our audience is by um, user recommendations. And, um, you know, we want to keep growing and, you know, keep making a difference. So let all your friends, family, you know, people on the street, the grocery store, let them know about the podcast. Everyone, anyone, you know what, get a good costume, Mm. put it Mm -hmm. on, Stand on the corner and twirl a sign that says the department. To <laughs> <laughs> be brand advocates. Just do yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. We're not going to make a t-shirt because we know we all know what it, what it's like, you know, the, the all the garbage in the world of all these like girl boss t-shirts and stuff like that. We're not going to do that. You know, follow us on Instagram. And it's a really great way to actually share it too is, well, following us as well as sharing um, our posts and things like that um, on your stories and with friends and all that. Um, it really is awesome. Our Instagram is at underscore the underscore department. 
Um, you can also find all of our show notes on our website, which is the department.world. And if you have a suggestion for an episode or want to tell us about a trend we're missing or just share your own story, feelings, etc. about something that we're discussing here, perhaps trolling, you can call our hotline number or send us a mm. voice memo that you've recorded on your phone or computer. You can find all the details for contacting us on our website. Once again, that's thedepartment.world. And speaking of messages, we have two that we want to share this week. And the first one is from Gabriella, who has some hot info about Crocs. Hello, this message is for the department. This is Gabriella Antonis. That's Gabriella with one L-A-N-T-O-N-A-S on Instagram. I'm calling to talk about Crocs. And heard you guys talk about them on a recent episode. And I just have a little tidbit I wanted to share. I wanted to say that you guys are totally right about this trend and that back in 2020 in the summertime, I was living in Baltimore and I went on a date with this guy who was a marketing major at the University of Baltimore. And he was saying how Crocs was paying this program at the school or commissioned them somehow. I don't even know how much money they dumped into it to work on campaigns to make Crocs mainstream again, like they are now. And I just couldn't believe it at the time. I was in disbelief and I was like, you don't understand. My degree's in fashion design. There's no way they're coming back. How are they going to make them cool? They're just for restaurant people and like hospital workers, but he was right. The whatever I don't I'm not saying that it was like this college program that got them on the map, but they clearly had their feelers out there trying to make Crocs happen again and it did. And so I really enjoyed hearing what you, Kim and Amanda, had to say about it. And keep up the good work and have a nice day. Bye ladies. So you know, Kim, you and I, when we were talking about Crocs, I feel like that was a thousand years ago, but it was only a few weeks. Um, yes. I remember you and I kind of touched on like, wow, you know, it's interesting that Crocs has made this very strong on-trend resurgence when a lot of these other, and I hesitate to call Crocs a heritage brand, but you know what I mean. Is Crocs a heritage brand? What are we, th- what are we thinking? Yeah, it kind of, I would say it definitely is because it's, it's definitely been around Wow, for long enough. I mean, what, <laughs> what defines a heritage brand, I guess? Who knew that we would live to see that? Anyway, a lot of these other brands have kind of squandered that, I don't know, that value that they have as a heritage brand and being back on trend. But I mean, you and I, you know, we, we talked when we talked about Crocs a few weeks ago, we said, it's interesting how Crocs has been on it. Like they've picked all the right partnerships and collaborations. Yeah. But who knew that they had some sort of like college street team? (laughs) Well, actually a lot of, a lot of brands have, have these, um, uh, ambassador programs and uh, it's usually like college and high school ambassador programs where the the ambassadors themselves are um you know just just everyday people and they they get free product um but they basically 
share and talk about the brand to all their friends and they can give out discount codes. And it's, it's a really big way. It's like parade does it. And Starface does it. Uh, Uggs does it. A lot of these brands actually just do that. And then of course you have your global ambassadors that are usually like bigger people um, that are constantly talking about the brand. And I think that they get paid for it too. Amazing. There you go. Crocs. Crocs mm-hmm. up there with all like, these like viral, exactly. like Gen Z brands. Obviously, this is something that's always so, so fascinating to me. And I'm reading this really great book right now called The Business of Aspiration, mm. which I highly recommend. Um, and it basically, you know, it talks a lot about like, you know, a brands that actually have the capacity to keep scaling or to come back basically from the grave, which is kind of what Crocs mm-hmm. did. You know, they 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 really understand the cultural movement behind um their brand and that's what they kind of did they like really went after self-expression and that ugly trend just somehow happened to come around but they also kind of led the ugly trend it just and the norm core hit and it just was like they were just aligned to kind of come back but they really had smart leaders there that really kind of understood what was going on and were able to kind of lead in a way that was um really innovative they're their narrative, I guess their um, uh, their their purpose or something is uh, "Come as you are." Mm. I was lo- I was looking it up. I was like, "What is it?" And it's all about self expression and individuality, wow. which is just so on trend with the Gen Z consumer. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. kudos to Crocs. Yep. That's all I can say. Well, we have another message. This is not about Crocs. In fact, it's the antithesis of Crocs. If we go back in time to this era, this is yeah. it's about a group of people who would 100% not wear a pair of Crocs then. They might now. Um, and it's this message is from Katie, and she's going to talk about our hipster episodes and some thoughts she had there. So unfortunately, after she called the hotline, Katie messaged me on Instagram and was like, hey, I got cut off. And I was like, oh, call back. I'll splice it together. Katie didn't call back, but this message is still really great. So if it feels like it ends abruptly, that's because it does. <laughs> I know. I, I texted you. I was like, I think my computer crashed or something because I, I, I feel like I missed part of the conversation. But it's still really interesting. <laughs> Hi, my name is Katie, and I've been listening um, to your guys' series on hipsters. And I have found it so fascinating. Um, first of all, just the fact that you did a whole episode on sexism in hipster culture. I was, like Amanda, I lived in Portland in the early 2000s, but I was a little bit younger. I was a college student. And I remember going to shows and just you could feel the sexism. It was a very masculine culture. Um, but just some of the things that you guys bring up are just, such a throwback. Um, Amanda mentioned the Dunes, and the Dunes was actually the first bar I ever went to with my fake ID in Portland. And I remember just thinking it was so hip. I mean, the girl who served me my, my drink had black hair and an asymmetrical haircut and this ripped T-shirt that she had cut like a square, a perfectly square hole in the back that like framed her shoulder blades um you also mentioned community sauna which i also went to um and amanda mentioned that it was a swinger scene and of course i was 
I don't know, I must have been like 20. I was totally oblivious to that. But I do remember the kind of like creepy hippie vibe. It was this um, sauna that was in somebody's backyard and you, they opened it to the public on Sundays and you just had to know the address and you could show up. And I remember it was huge and it would be packed full of people sweating on each other and the benches were stacked. And I just remember someone's ball sweat like dripping on me. It was so disgusting. And then some hippie trying to like get my number and give me his like rap album. <laughs> it was incredible um and then another thing that resonated with me was your discussion of the yields and I definitely had there was a yield that I had a huge crush on this guy definitely had a typewriter um definitely wore a bow tie on a regular basis definitely rode a tall bike definitely was a trust funder and yet um worked his you know he as you both know, it was very difficult to find a job in Portland during that period. Not that this guy had to work, but he, he the job he got a job at a uh, funeral home, uh, which seems you know it's like ultimate like hipster like you know quirky weird thing that you could do right to like build your yield cred. As I work at a funeral home. I just have to say that it's weird and maybe it speaks to Portland in the aughts and what it was like. But I also knew someone who worked at a funeral home <laughs> who was a hipster, but wasn't oh. a yield. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I think being a yield working at a funeral home is like the ultimate, like you power up in terms of your yieldness. Like, yes, like that's even more yield than being a mixologist or making pickles. I actually knew I knew a guy that drove a hearse. <laughs> like he bought he bought a used hearse and that's what that was his vehicle. He was also Gosh. like really into Nick Cave. Of course he was. There was like kind of like a you know, like the morbidity of it was really kind of hip. <laughs> um <laughs> I, I mean, imagine if he had gotten out of the hearse though and he was wearing Crocs. <laughs> never. You would never see that. <laughs> Absolutely not. I, I do want to say I'm going back to Crocs again. I can't help it. Sorry guys, I'm obsessed. <laughs> um out here in Lancaster County, you know, a big portion of the population is Mennonite or Amish. And there seems to be a rule that you have to wear black shoes. And the two most common shoes that I see around town here are black Crocs and black Skechers. Wow. And one day I saw two Amish women on bikes and their both of their bike baskets were filled with boxes of Skechers. <laughs> we were like, what? I, I feel Skechers. Like, I mean, I'd love to talk to someone who works at Skechers and be like, do you know that you have <laughs> cornered the Amish and Mennonite market? Like, do you know that? <laughs> right. I don't know if they do. It's like maybe they need to get some brand ambassadors in the Amish and Mennonite community. I think so. So if you work for Crocs or you work for Skechers, listen to me. Mm-hmm. Get yourself some brand ambassadors out here. Yeah, exactly. They, they love you. They love you. They're big fans. Yeah. All right. So, Kim, I know you haven't been getting out much. Neither have I. But have you gone to the beach at all this year? No. I feel like I only go to the beach when you're around. Yeah, that sounds about right. 
I haven't gone to the beach either because unfortunately I only go to the beach when my friends are around and they're not and my <laughs> husband doesn't like the beach and so I have had a beachless year. Mm. But if you had gone to the beach, you might have encountered something mm. that's kind of trending at the beach right now, which is people getting into fights. Really? More and more than ever. Beach towns across the United States are having a lot of problems with public brawling. <laughs> That's so interesting. Trend alert, beach brawling. It's super random. Furthermore, airlines have been reporting a marked increase in unruly passengers, reporting more than 3,000 cases to the FAA wow. since the beginning of this year. And if you get reported to the FAA, let me tell you, you're in some serious shit. I want to say that the fines start around $15,000. Oh, wow. And Furthermore, since last May, not the May that just happened, but the one before that, so maybe that's not last May. I don't know. Last year's May. Sure. Uh, more than 3,000 people have been permanently banned from flying, and that's not even like probably a full number. There's probably a lot more because some airlines, some of the biggest airlines haven't reported the number of passengers they've banned yet. So it's been pretty wild. And in late May, a Southwest Airlines flight attendant was assaulted by a passenger, even losing some teeth in the process. Oh, my God. Do you know what it was about? I think it was about seatbelts. It was either about seatbelts or masks because that's what everyone's fighting about. And I, anecdotally, I do have a couple of friends who are flight attendants, and they have told me that it has been terrible, that no one wants to wear a mask, people want to fight, they already before had a lot of people who didn't want to wear seatbelts or put their seat up or walk wow. around when they weren't supposed to be and all that kind of stuff. But now it's just like even worse. Like they, like they're coming with a rage. Like they know that they're going to have to fight this mask thing or whatever it is. Uh, and they're getting worked up. And by the time they get on the airplane, they're just like ready to kick some ass about, about other people's safety. It's so weird. It's so weird. Everybody is on edge everywhere, though. Mm -hmm. The beach, the airplanes. I was at a rest stop a few weeks ago. Uh, we had stopped there to dump off some recycled cans. Uh -huh. We were on a road trip in our RV. And I saw two older men, like men our dad's age, fighting with each other. One of them had a really small, cute dog. <gasps> I mean, just like this is like the world we live in right now. Like everybody is really upset. Mm -hmm. So hot trend alert, being a jerk on an airplane is super trending, although, to be honest, this trend is almost a classic at this point. Yeah. But we live in a really stressful, scary time, and people want to – they're confrontational, right? So Raymond Taffrate – I am sure I'm butchering that name because that doesn't sound like a real last name. <laughs> He's a psychologist and criminology professor at Central Connecticut State University, and he says, quote, we're all more traumatized than we realize, and that puts people on edge. The pandemic isolated people and caused all sorts of stress and problems in their lives. People are in mm. worse shape than they were before. Mm. You think about it, there's so much stuff to disagree about right now. I mean, I feel like there has been so much to disagree about for like the last five plus yes. years, but like, it's like really extreme right now. Think about the things that like top of mind people are fighting about on the internet or in, in real life, vaccinations, masks, the 2020 election. That's one just keeps going. We were at the grocery store today and there was a guy 
wearing a hat that said the 2020 election was rigged or stolen or something like that. And he gave me the most disgusted look because I was wearing a mask. He was that guy. There are people who are literally fighting about whether or not climate change still exists. And I like can't even with them. Like they just need to go sit down. Right. People are fighting about whether Crocs are cute or not. (laughs) We are living in a crazy time. Yeah, we are. But this behavior, this bad behavior isn't limited just to beaches and 737s and rest stops on the turnpike. It's playing out every day across the internet, on social media, and in comment sections. Seriously, if I could give anyone one piece of life advice that would make them at least 50% happier, it would be this. Don't read the comments. Mm -hmm. Because I... I don't know why I do this to myself, but I read the comments <laughs> and I'm upset all the time. I will find an article that seems really innocuous, like about gossip, the new gossip girl or something. And I'll go down to the comments and I will be like blown away by the crazy shit that people are fighting about there. People are fighting about the pandemic on articles about the new gossip girl. I'm serious. <laughs> like people are fighting about stuff everywhere and it doesn't have to in any way be related to the content at hand. I have been witnessing horrible meanness, bullying, trolling, snarking, whatever you want to call it, all over the internet. And you get you get targeted sometimes too. <sighs> oh man, trust me. I got stories, okay? Yeah. It seemed to me that it was increasing. Mm-hmm. Like I saw it, I don't know. I want to say late last spring, I started to see this stuff pick up. And I was like, well, everybody is... I mean, we're at home. We're all freaking out. I get it. But it actually seemed to pick up even more momentum this year as people could slowly start to leave their houses again. Like, it's almost like it's become a way of life. But once again, I thought maybe it was just me, what I was seeing. Like Kim mentioned, I get some trolls for sure Mm -hmm. uh, because I exist on the internet and I'm a woman, you know. Mm -hmm. And you have something to say that maybe might be a little contentious to – a small-minded individual. Oh, for sure. For sure. And so I thought maybe I was just seeing all of this because I spend so much time mm-hmm. on the internet for my job, right? But it turns out that my feeling actually was right. Half of women and non-binary people that were polled by online abuse charity Glitch and the End Violence Against Women Coalition say they've experienced online abuse since the pandemic began. That's wow. half. A poll for the United Kingdom's National Children's Bureau suggests that more people were experiencing and reporting online abuse as bullying in schools decreased because most people were learning from home and everybody found themselves with a lot more screen time. So the normal shittiness you might encounter from people IRL just shifted onto the internet, especially for kids. I kind of – I didn't want to just speak about Americans as trolls or unless it was just Americans as that were trolls. So I looked for a lot of information from different countries around the world. 70% of Australians said that they have experienced a negative online experience since the beginning of the pandemic. And I saw similar statistics for the U.S., Canada, U.K., and India. 70% of people are experiencing this. A study by AI-based startup Light, and the study was called Rising Levels of Hate Speech and Online Toxicity During This Time of Crisis, intense title. This study found some really disturbing trends, and they used AI 
to pull together mm-hmm. all this data, they basically combed the internet for this information. They found a 70% increase in bullying and abusive language among kids and teens on social media and chat forums, a 40% increase in toxicity on gaming platforms, a 200% spike in traffic Whoa. to hate sites, and a 900% increase in hate speech on Twitter directed towards China. I mean, there's a ton more, but basically mm-hmm. people are being horrible to one another and they are particularly being horrible to Asian people. Oh. I also found... It's so sad. Some, That's so it's awful. So it's, it's so sad. I also found some hysterical, and when I say hysterical, I mean super worried, not hilarious, although they are kind of hilarious too, local news stories about so-called tea accounts hmm. on Instagram where students create fake accounts to spread gossip and lies about other students. Wow. I'm not sure if this is a super widespread trend or not because I don't know if you remember a few years ago when the news was literally like teenagers are using vodka-soaked tampons to get wasted. This That's was right. all over the news. And in reality, like very few teenagers were soaking tampons in vodka to get wasted. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Uh, but so I don't know if these T accounts mm-hmm. are real, like in terms of like high school kids doing this. I do know that there are tons of gossip accounts on Instagram for sure that are just gossip about celebrities, influencers, you name it. So it's hard to say. Last week, I read an article on Jezebel called Transgender Redditors are being driven from the site by transphobic trolls exploiting Reddit's follow function. I had to read this. Basically, transphobic jerks are finding people who regularly post on various trans advice and support subreddits, which apparently are a really important resource Mm -hmm. because it's a way to safely get support and advice without outing yourself, right? Mm -hmm. These people are finding them, these jerks, and then following them. And then these are accounts, these jerks make up new accounts with names like I jerk off to your pictures. Ew, uh with about me sections under them featuring statements like, yes, even if you're underage, I love underage trannies. If you transition over 20, you don't look hot to me. It's really fucked up anyway. But how the trolling, the bullying works is that each time someone follows you on Reddit, you receive an email notification. And various Redditors are finding their email inboxes clogged with messages with the subject line, User, your trans, your transphobic dad just started following you. Mm. Things like that. User, I jerk off to your picture started oh. following you. And so it'll just be like 100 emails like that, just one after another. And another way trolls are bullying the trans community on Reddit is by building bots to report inoffensive content. So you might go there and just post something innocent. They'll keep reporting it. It bogs down the moderators who are actually there to protect everyone. So other bad content slips through the cracks. And trans members are actually, like, their accounts are sort of suspended because they keep getting flagged for offensive content, even though they're not doing it. So it's just, like, lots of psychological bullshit. It's so much just time and just hate. Like, these people... I can, uh, I mean, like so, so much, much bad, time, like, um, yeah, just black, a black soul. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's just like all of that energy and time. And clearly like if you have the skills to build bots that mm-hmm. troll people, 
imagine how if we could all just like harness that energy, we could probably solve the climate crisis. Oh my God, you're totally you right. Know? It's depressing. So I guess what I'm saying overall is here is hot trend alert. Trolling mm. is hot right now, like so hot. All of this bad behavior takes a toll on the mental health of many, many people. Even I reading a comment that someone said to someone else that was really cruel, that upsets mm-hmm. me and I'm not even involved in it. Because you you have empathy. Exactly. <laughs> a lot of these exactly. trolls just don't have empathy. Realistically, the majority of us can't just quit the internet because there are trolls on it, right? This is 2021 and it's a big part of our day-to-day lives. Like we need to use the internet to interact, to do our jobs, to exist in the world, you know? So it's not like we can just quit and the trolls will go away. That's just not how it works. And that led me to the question, how did people troll one another before the internet? Because, you know, we're going to go into all the reasons that people troll, but at the core, there are some personality characteristics that tend to drive this, this kind of behavior. So if you were a total narcissist and a sociopath in like, say, the 80s or 90s, how did you (laughs) take that out on other people? What did you do? Did you write like a letter to the editor? I don't know. I know. I'm like make toilet paper people. It's like you had to be in public more. You had to do it. I mean, it, I mean, obviously you don't have the disguise of the internet and the anonymity of the internet to, to you know to take away any sort of um, accountability, right? right. But uh, you're right. Yeah, maybe they're writing letters. Or like signing people up for magazine subscriptions. Yes. <laughs> like the Columbia House CD yes. Club. <laughs> yeah, rooting people's credit, calling people and like, oh, you know. Yeah. That's a good call. You would prank call prank people call. for sure. Yeah. I did one time. I mean, I must have been in like fourth or fifth grade. The phone rang and Kim, it was seriously, it was like seven in the morning on a weekday. And I was getting ready for school. And I answered it thinking it would be my mom. And it was a guy who was like saying perverted things to me. But I thought I was mishearing him. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Could you repeat that? And he said something perverted to me that I can't remember now. And I was like, sorry, call back later. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that must have frustrated him. Probably. I think I may have diffused the situation Uh by accident. But I guess that's what you had to do if you were – a trollish type person in the 80s, you would have to get up at the crack of dawn <laughs> and try to phone children. Yeah, right. I don't know. <laughs> Jeez. I know, I know. So trolling, all of this behavior associated with it, it's a really complicated issue to break down. I'm going to be honest here and say that while we're going to talk about this for two episodes, there's still so much more to discuss. And Mm -hmm. I would love to hear from all of you with your own experiences, your suggestions, your feelings, all of that stuff. In this episode, we're going to break down what trolling is and who is doing the trolling, Mm. why they are doing the trolling. Yeah, why? Why do you exist to do this? Yes, I'm so interested. I mean, to be honest, I don't want to spoil this whole episode, but I still don't understand why people are trolling. Like, there just has to be something better to do, but I guess that just speaks to who I am as a person. And the fact that I'm really busy. Have you ever <laughs> watched What We Do in the Shadows? I haven't, oh. but I get it gets recommended to me all the time. Oh my time. god, it's so good. And there is one of the vampires 
it, all of the vampire, all the vampires except for this one vampire are like real regular vampires. But there's one vampire that's called an energy vampire. His name is uh, Colin Robinson, I believe. Colin Robinson, and he um, he feeds. He basically works in, a, in an office and he feeds off of people's frustrations. But he also acts as an internet troll sometimes to get his fix. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. We need to put a pin in there yeah. because I think we're going to get to that kind of trolling in this episode for sure. Let's start where I always like to mm-hmm. start, which is with my favorite online reference tool, the Urban Dictionary. It's where you go to get the most important information. I know some people are going to say Wikipedia, <laughs> but I will tell you this. Wikipedia does not have an entry for fart hands. <laughs> so. <laughs> So, you know, I took a stroll over to Urban Dictionary to work on this episode, and I discovered that they have a word of the day feature. And the particular day I was doing my research, the word of the day was shrigma male. Kim, what do you think shrigma male means? <laughs> I, I, it sounds like some sort of Yiddish word or something, like the sh- <laughs> like a shrigma. <laughs> I don't know. Well, shrigma male, also known as shrigmus, is a male person that just doesn't care and eats shrooms all day. Oh, wow. It's a rarest male type that exists. I don't know if that's that rare, to be honest. I don't know either, but I will say, because I was like, this is a random choice for our word of the day over here at Urban Dictionary. But I'm sure a lot of you already know this, but mushrooms the psychedelic kind are getting Mm -hmm. trendier and trendier right now and i think we're going to see microdosing and other treatments using mushrooms pick up even more steam over the next few years think about how like you can get cbd i swear to god i could probably go to like kroger and get cbd at this point right like cbd is like passe Mm -hmm. now microdosing like psychedelic mushrooms all of that that's going to be the new cbd Hmm. i can see that I know that there's a ton of research and interest in funding research for it. Uh, For example, Dr. Bronner's, you know, the company that makes the hippie soap. We use it in this household. They're going hard on investing in psychedelic mushroom research. Like that's the only thing they'll invest money in right now. Wow. So, yeah, I think – anyway, that's off – that's going off the track. What a fact. That's such a fun fact. What if? Yeah, anyway. So, Kim – Before I give you some of the Urban Dictionary definitions here, which there were many, it was hard to pick the best ones, really. How would you describe a troll? I would probably say a troll is basically the scourge of the internet. They have... (laughs) (laughs) Wow. They have... um, They're extremely um, selfish, and they have an affinity to just push people's buttons and be total assholes and ruin people's days. You know, I, 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 I know you get trolled occasionally and it basically is enough to just, just, just destroy your week. You know, even though that there's, Oh yeah. Even if you don't know who these people are and like, it's just so easy to take what they say so personally. And I have no, I have no concept, no idea why someone would ever want to do that to someone. But I, I do know I was, I was talking to Neil a little bit about, you know, that fact that we were talking about trolls and he was talking about someone who became famous because he trolled people. And, and God, but he, but, but we were talking about, Oh, you know, like, was he trolling 
bad people? Was he trolling like racists? Like where like is there an like an ethical reason then to troll people? Like mm. like if you're actually trolling for the good of humanity and for uh, protecting other people, like like the, I didn't even think about it like that. So I thought that was really interesting that there could be positive trolls. <laughs> I mean, I think that's really interesting. I have mm-hmm. a friend in mind who is definitely a positive troll like that, where mm-hmm. they troll people who are being assholes. And I mean, they yeah. just call them out on their bullshit. They're not like, and you're ugly and stupid yeah, yeah. or whatever, you know, but like they are just there, you know, saying like, hey, actually you're super misinformed, you know, like yes. this is blah. And then people lose their shit like every single time. So if you were going to th- describe like the troll as a person, like what do you picture when you think of a troll? Like a person who's trolling. Well, like, are they a particular I mean, gender? <laughs> They're male. Okay. Uh, they basically, I just imagine kind of an incel. Yeah. I think a lot of people would think that, right? I mean, I think back to like deplorables, you know, when, when Hillary Clinton talked mm-hmm. about the deplorables living in their mom's basement kind of thing. I think that's yes. probably what a lot of us would picture, right? And mm-hmm. I mean, I think that trolling comes in all shapes and sizes. Like, they're the people who are just plain like nasty, threatening, abusive. This is one of my favorite trolls that I see constantly is someone who just has to point out for no particular reason one spelling or grammatical or punctuation <laughs> error, error in an article. And you're like, why? Oh. Why? Like that's a dick move, right? Smartest man in the room. Yeah, totally, right? I see that Like a they lot, have though. to do it. Like, well, actually, you know, like that kind of mm-hmm. person. Um, I definitely mm-hmm. see the people who show up in the comment sections to be like, well, just to play devil's advocate. And you're like, no, oh. get out, get out. You know, I mean, and then there are just people being nasty, right? Well, here are some definitions from Urban Dictionary. One is someone who deliberately pisses people off online to get a reaction. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting definition because it says or kind of implies that the stuff they say isn't meant to be hurtful. It's just meant to get attention. And I think that's that's another thing like we should put a pin in as we talk about this, that the intent there is a little bit different in some cases than we might expect. That doesn't make it okay. Mm-hmm. But like I will say the person who makes a comment about a spelling error in an article is probably just looking to be a jerk, I think. Um, but, you know, the people who go in there and like just start contradicting everything everyone says, they might just want some attention. Another definition is a member of an internet forum who continually harangues and harasses others. So this is like a different flavor of trolling, right? Someone with nothing worthwhile to add to a certain conversation, but rather continually threadjacks or changes the subject, as well as thinks every member of the forum is talking about them and only them. Trolls often go by multiple names to circumvent getting banned. So once again, here we're touching on, man, it seems like there's a lot of work that goes into trolling, right? Yes, We're also talking again here about like attention, about control, Mm -hmm. about making themselves the center. Mm -hmm. The next one is a person who on a message forum of some type attacks and flames other members of the forum for any number of reasons, such as rank, previous disagreements, sex, et cetera. A troll usually flames threads without staying on topic, unlike a flamer who flames the thread because he or she disagrees with the content of the thread. So I guess now we're touching on different genres, subgenres right. of trolling. 
What I see is the common thread here, besides being an asshat, is a mm-hmm. drive to get a response, right, to control a space, in this case, a comment thread. Like, it's not even a real thing that they're mm-hmm. trying to control. Maybe they, these people have a sense of entitlement, like everyone should want to hear their opinion on this. They should be able to control the space and be the center of attention. Mm-hmm. And they have the sense of entitlement that their opinion counts more than others. And obviously, most importantly, a complete disregard for the feelings of others. But already we're starting to see that there's this like whole yeah. spectrum of bad behavior here, right? I mean, and some are actually looking for that fight. Like you're, I, I know that you once talked about how you won't put specific hashtags on any of your yep. posts. Yep. Because they you literally attract the attention of these people that are going looking, trolling for those hashtags oh and people that are hashtagging things yes. so that they can say nasty, negative things. Another piece of life advice that I would like to give all of you is never hashtag feminist or feminism. It's, it's, it's not worth it. It's not worth it for what you're going to deal with. I remember back when Kim was putting together the Instagram stuff for the Girl Boss episodes, I was like, don't hashtag feminism. Don't hashtag feminist. I think you did on one, and we had that guy show up. Okay, I just assumed he was a guy. You're right. <laughs> and he was like, do you even have the copyright? Like, did you ask to yeah, use that yeah. photo? Do you have copyrights to it or something? And I was like, fuck that, dude. Yes. He's just here to upset you. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they do. That's what they do. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. You know, I have found that if you use the hashtag Black Friday, which seems pretty innocuous, people show up. To fight with you. Um, Black Friday. Yeah, because they were like, what a like fucking commie who doesn't think that like people should shop. And I'm like, yeah, actually I am. Well. Yeah, that's what that's, <laughs> that's what my entire podcast is about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or like I'm trying to think of other one time I hashtagged Hobby Lobby and some people started sending me <laughs> oh, nasty no. messages about how I'm like gonna go to hell and stuff like that because I am oh, not no. great with Jesus. Oh, yeah. And I hate Christians, and I was like, no, I just, like, hate what Hobby Lobby does, which is all kinds of really sketchy, unethical stuff. Um, So I wouldn't probably use hashtag Hobby Lobby again in the future, or maybe I would. Fuck it. I don't care. Um, Those are definitely hashtags that get people riled up. I'm sure more are going to come up. You need a really, really thick skin if you want to engage in any sort of, like, public commentary on social media that that could be kind of um, divisive or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I will tell you, so I I feel like I use social media in a very casual way for a long time. Like I would post photos and comment mm-hmm. on my friend's stuff. I'm more of a liker of things than like a participant, I guess. Like I'll go through and heart everybody's stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I am learning about how terrible this can be by basically being like, you know, I'm not a, like a public figure per se, but I'm a more public figure than I was a year ago because of all my podcasting and other stuff. And so I've been learning all of this the hard way on the job. And I would have to say the first time where I was like, I don't know if I can handle this anymore. I maybe I'm going to quit was when I posted about so-called vegan leather, which all of us who work in the industry know is just rebranded pleather, which is plastic, mm-hmm. and it's shitty. It's really bad for the environment. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, since the industry rebranded it as vegan leather, people buy it because they think it's an environmentally friendly option. 
it's like so, the most polarizing thing for you. <laughs> Who would have guessed, honestly? Because mm-hmm. it was one of those things that we have been like just snarking about for years. All of us mm-hmm. who work in the industry, work in buying, like I can't believe we couldn't give pleather away before. Mm-hmm. And now like it's – we rebranded it and people buy it like crazy. And yes, there are people who are against – you know, the cruelty to animals who are into animal rights who buy so-called vegan leather, but a vast majority of the people buying it are actually people who think that they're buying something sustainable. That's really Mm -hmm. what it is. It's very misleading. So anyway, I posted about this and that was when I was like, maybe I'm going to quit the podcast and quit the internet because I was getting harassed all day, all night for about 12 hours. Um, I'd never blocked anyone before because it seemed like it prevented people from being able to have a real conversation and I wanted to have a dialogue. And then I was like, yeah, you know what? Now I'm going to block people and I'm going to limit comments. Like if you want to comment on this Instagram account, you have to follow it because, you know, most trolls don't want to follow it. And I still can receive a couple messages a week from people who are mean and threatening about vegan leather. Um, And that post is like six months old. Like one woman was like, I hope – that you are murdered and skinned what? alive and someone makes a coat out of your skin. <laughs> I mean, like, Are you serious? Would you say that to my face? You would never say that to my face. Oh, my God. I've had people tell me I'm a monster who doesn't care about animals, that I only care about myself, that I'm destroying the planet by telling people that they shouldn't buy vegan leather, that I have blood on my hands. Didn't you just say vegan leather is plastic? And like, that's kind of what you were saying. It wasn't, it wasn't. Yeah, that's all I said. I mean, there was like an epic caption with it, which was like, listen, I'm not saying you should buy leather either. If that doesn't feel right for you, don't buy leather, but don't buy Mm -hmm. vegan leather either. There are plenty of other options out there. And I gave options like, waxed canvas and nobody things like listened. that. I was like, I was vegan mm-hmm. for a very long time. Yeah, nobody nobody read it. Nobody followed up on all the other posts I posted about it, the essay I wrote about it, the stuff I recorded for the podcast, which is just basically like, listen, it's a scam. It's bad for the planet. It doesn't last very long. I mean, I could mm-hmm. go on and on, but the point is no one cared. They just saw vegan leather is plastic and we're like, you're a murderer right. and you deserve to die. And it was shocking. It was really, really shocking to me. And I'm not saying any of those people who sent me those messages are bad people. I don't think they're trolls. We're going to go into what trolls are soon. Uh, they are just people who like were saying stuff to me that they literally never would have said to mm-hmm. me in real life ever, ever. Right. Because they I didn't know them. They don't know me. They couldn't see how hurtful it was. It made me It was sick. making you sick. I know. You had to like you had to take time off of from social media. I yeah, would yeah. take time off from social media too. I completely understand. It was just terrible. Tra- and traumatizing. You know, I still get shitty messages from people about various things. I see people fighting in the comment section sometimes and I have to diffuse it where I'm like, why are you here fighting about shopping secondhand? Yeah. Get out of here. You know, get like this is um, So now I block people all the time where I'm like, get out of here. You're like here to just take mm-hmm. your frustration out on someone. And like as a person now who's experienced firsthand hundreds of strangers attacking me and saying nasty shit to me, without even knowing the full message that I was sharing, 
I just don't want anyone else to ever be exposed to that in mm-hmm. any way involving either the department or the or close source. And so when I see that kind of stuff happening, I'm like, get out of here. <laughs> You're canceled. You know? <laughs> we don't want your kind. We don't want it. Like, I get it. Like, we're all out there brawling on the beach and on airplanes and whatever else. Like, this is a crazy fucking time. But, like, I, if I can control the environment, it's mm-hmm. not allowed. If I had a party at my house, which imagine yeah. that. Imagine going to a party. Uh, and, like, you came, Kim, and you started, like, beating up right. Dustin. I'd be like, you have to leave. That's you fine. Know? I think <laughs> like, I don't that's know what's fair. into you. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. So, I just... Anyway, when we talk about specifically trolls or who we think of as like the stereotypical troll, there's a lot this these personality characteristics, this disregard for the feelings of others, this feeling that their opinion counts more, this I don't know, ne- this need to be the center of attention and control the conversation. I feel like I've like worked for these people for years. Like this sounds like this sounds like the fashion industry. <laughs> As I'm saying it out loud, I'm like it sounds a lot like a CEO or anyone in the C-suite of fashion Definitely. for sure. Um, but this is also sounding a lot like narcissistic personality disorder, which I know is like a buzz thing everybody wants to talk about. I didn't want to come to the table with this and not like do some research about it because, you know, like I think this is a term that gets thrown out a lot, but the symptoms of narcissistic personality disorder include an excessive need for admiration, Mm -hmm. disregard Mm -hmm. for others' feelings, an inability to handle any criticism, and guess what? A sense of entitlement. And literally no empathy. Like you don't, like you lack empathy. Yeah, you're like, whatever, I'm going to say whatever. So, okay, Mm -hmm. let's also put a pin in that idea because that's really important too. Okay. Back to Urban Dictionary, the term trolling, the verb form of troll, is described as the deliberate act by a troll of making random, unsolicited, and or controversial comments on various internet forums with the intent to provoke an emotional knee-jerk reaction from unsuspecting readers to engage Mm -hmm. in a fight or an argument. Trolling online forums, as described above, is actually analogous to the phishing technique of trolling. Yes, Now we're learning about fishing, everyone, Uh where colorful baits and lures are pulled behind a slow-moving boat, often with multiple fishing lines covering a large Mm -hmm. body of water, such as a lake or the ocean. The trolling lures attract unsuspecting fish, intriguing them with the way they move through the water, thus enticing these foolish fish to take the bait. Not unlike unsuspecting internet victims, once hooked, the fish are reeled in for the catch before they realize that they have been duped by the fisherman, or in mm-hmm. this case, the troll. So that's that's what trolling is. And we see that trolling is a specific type of behavior. And like I said, I don't think trolls are the people who send me comments about how they hope I am murdered and skinned alive and turned into a jacket. Um, those are that's Jesus. a different kind of behavior, oh, right? Man, right? I'm so sorry oh, that you got that message. I, I know. That is just that is like something that would like literally send you into um like a therapist office. Like I know, I know. I, I mean Dustin was like, Amanda, this means you're doing something right. You know? Yeah. That's and true. we 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 had a lot of conversations where I was like, you know what? These people should be mad at the industry for selling them this fake Mm -hmm. thing, this promise that is a lie. 
but instead they're mad at me because they don't, I'm the messenger, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't think that that's the, like, Trolling is a specific behavior here. I'm just trying to define all the terms because there are a lot of behaviors here that are all part of this being shitty on the internet trend. So next, I want to define snark, which is another term that I think is used to describe an allegedly sort of softer form of trolling. And it's often applied to conversations between women. Mm -hmm. For example, there are a lot of Instagram accounts out there that snark on influencers and celebrities, you know, like make fun of their clothes or whatever mm-hmm. dumb shit they're saying, you know, whatever. There's a lot oh, there like, to snark Or on. like their weight or whatever it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Snark is described as verbal ingeniousness that is brief, subtle, yet quite stabbing. Mm-hmm. Snark is often marked by deep creativity and use of psychological attack. It employs cold-bloodedness and is best served unprovoked. Snark can contain hidden complementary meaning under a mean face, but it hurts Mm -hmm. more than it strengthens. So we see that trolling is a sort of intentional act of getting people riled up, of starting fights, etc. Meanwhile, snark is like it's catty. Mm -hmm. And cattiness is almost like crueler Mm -hmm. to a certain extent, right? It's just being mean but possibly pretending that it's a more highbrow form of online cruelty. It's like jellyfishing, if you've ever seen Bridget Jones' Diary. Oh, my God. It's like where you're stinging with kind of like weird backhanded comments and compliments. Yeah, totally. I mean, it also makes me think of Joan Rivers and her like Mm -hmm. Oscar red carpet show where she would go up to all the celebrities but then like make fun of their clothes and it was supposed to be (laughs) funny. But it wasn't really funny. And I know that there are also all these regular features and a lot of tabloids that are like allegedly funny takedowns of celebrity style, but they're like not funny at all. They're just mean. Paris, what's his name? Perez Hilton. Perez Hilton. Thank you. Yes. Yes. I would put Perez Hilton. Well, he's somewhere between a troll and a snark because Mm -hmm. he would draw dicks on people's faces. That's true. Which is pretty troll dicks. But he would be snarky too and like, you know, make. Mm -hmm. Like, they were sharp comments, you know? They were sarcastic, perhaps, but they were they were cruel. I'm bringing up snark because, like I said, there are entire subreddits, blogs, and Instagram accounts devoted to snarking on celebrities, influencers, regular old people, the way people dress, you name it. Poor people, God, people love to snark about poor people on Instagram. And while in the early days of the pandemic, I saw this stuff mostly just poking fun at dumb stuff that celebrity and celebrities and influencers did and said, because they do that a lot, I noticed it picking up more and more mm. momentum and kind of becoming crueler as time progressed. I just think it's a function of people being frustrated and bummed out right now. Absolutely. And right? Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely like... And it's it's like you find um, you find a community, and it's just like everyone kind of just feeds off of it, and it mm-hmm. and it seems okay, but you know, it eventually just like creates a very negative mindset. But you don't even realize it's happening. No, I get it, especially yeah. in the past year when you're like home. Mm-hmm. So many people have lost their jobs, missed their loved ones, are cooped up, maybe unhappy with their living situation. Who knows? It just feels good to go somewhere and hear a bunch of other people be pissed off too. Yeah, I like get a, it. About right? a Kardashian vacation during the pandemic. Exactly. Yeah. That was bullshit. I was upset mm-hmm. about it too. See, let's all get together and talk about it. That mm-hmm. I get it. I get it. Okay, so that's snarking, right? 
Now we're going to define cyberbullying, which is using the internet to seek to harm, intimidate, or coerce someone perceived as vulnerable. So we have these three behaviors that are highly prevalent on the internet. And while they might seem like independent phenomena, a Venn diagram of the three of them, of trolling, snarking, cyberbullying, it would have a ton of overlap. And to be honest, I think a lot of these are often used interchangeably or even inaccurately if we're saying that all three of these represent different kinds of behavior. Like we might use troll to describe cyberbullying, but in its purest form, trolling is just about creating drama kind mm-hmm. of, right? Where cyberbullying is is like intent to hurt someone. We might accuse someone of snarking, of actually being a troll. They might be. They might be just snarking. It's easy to use them interchangeably because they're all kind of the same thing, or at least they come from the same place psychologically. Unsurprisingly, I'm still thinking of all those terrible uh, online dating statistics from many episodes ago. Yes. Women uh, women are a major target of all of this nefarious behavior. Not a surprise, right? In 2017, Amnesty International surveyed 4,000 women across eight countries, and nearly a quarter of those women had experienced abuse or harassment. But that was 2017. That was four years ago. 2017 is like a different time. In 2017, I want to say I lived in Portland, and oh, yeah, I was working at that really terrible girl boss job, actually. It was a very uh, different time. Yeah. <laughs> but the UN Broadband Commission actually put this figure much higher, saying that almost three quarters of women online have been exposed mm-hmm. to some form of cyber violence. Amnesty International also found that 76% of women who experienced abuse or harassment on a social media platform made changes to how they use the platform or they just quit altogether. Some of these women who were abused online said they'd stopped posting content that expressed their opinion on certain issues, sort of like, don't use hashtag feminism. Mm-hmm, exactly. And I, I have like, like, I'm going to be honest, I've learned these lessons the hard way. Uh, I've definitely like, nipped that kind of stuff in the butt. I almost never use real hashtags on my own personal Instagram because I just like don't need it. I did some hashtagging around student loan forgiveness last year and I still get mean messages from people about that too. And I'm like, why? Like one woman reposted my post and said, anyone who is going to have a child out of wedlock doesn't deserve student loan forgiveness. Wow. Dude, I paid off my student loans like a really long time ago. Like, please, you you didn't even read my post. You're just being oh, anyway. Yeah, exactly. But there you go. A woman being mm-hmm. a troll or snarking. I'm not sure. What was she doing there? Anyway, there are just certain things that people are – like, people are looking for hashtag student loan forgiveness so they can express their highly unwanted opinions <laughs> on the posts of strangers. Yes. Like, who cares? You know, yeah. It's why just like, are you doing yeah. that? Um, it also goes without saying, but I'm just going to say it anyway: that women of color, along with trans and non-binary people of color, also experience kind of like the most highest level of online bullying. So now we know who is being trolled the most, and I don't think any of us were surprised by that, right? We all knew that. We knew that was going to be the answer. This is the world we live in. Here's a more surprising thing: who? is doing the trolling. Well, let's get the ball rolling with a 2014. So this is old, mm-hmm. to be fair. 
but it's the most comprehensive survey around trolling behavior. It was conducted by YouGov, and it found that 28% of millennials admitted to, quote, malicious online activity against someone they don't know. Wow. Bustle had a really great headline about this that just nails my thoughts on this completely. You don't even need to read the article. Which one of your friends is an internet troll? Wow. And right, because really it's like question. a third of the people. A quarter. A quarter, yeah. A quarter. Yeah. So if you know four people, theoretically one of them is a troll. If you know eight, then you know two. And, you know, it just like picks up steam there. Mm-hmm. Have you ever caught someone you know being an internet troll? <laughs> I have. I don't think I pay attention enough. I'm sure that I definitely know an internet troll, but I wouldn't know who it was. I think I was telling you about this when we were talking mm-hmm. about planning this episode, but I I don't really use Facebook anymore. But there was definitely a time when Facebook was pretty central to staying connected with my friends. And at some point, this was when I was living in LA, uh, there was some sort of like change in the Facebook homepage or like the algorithm for what you would see. (laughs) That's right. And you would start seeing like posts (laughs) that weren't by anyone you knew that someone you were friends with had commented on, which is Uh so random and like kind of a violation of people's privacy where you would like see a party your friend was going to, right? That you weren't invited to. So these stories kept coming into my daily feed that were in no way related to me and I couldn't figure out why? I, didn't, I was like, I don't know the person who posted this. This topic's not even interesting to me. I don't understand. Mm-hmm. And I realized it was because this one woman who I volunteered with at the kitten shelter uh, was commenting on all of these posts. And this is a woman who I'd become friends with. Very, I mean, friends would be like a generous term here. We were acquaintances, but whenever we were at the shelter volunteering together, we had a great time and laugh and it was nice. And you know, there was a Facebook group for all the volunteers. And so we all kind of just befriended one another. And I started to see that she was being a troll on Facebook because these were coming up in my feed. And she would tell people like, you're a terrible mother. You should kill yourself and things like that. Like it oh was like God. really horrible, like really horrible stuff. And it really, I mean, obviously like changed how I thought about this person. Mm-hmm. And it was shocking to me. I would have never guessed Wow. That. Yeah. And I'm wondering if other trolls were sort of outed in yeah. that era. I don't even – that's not even trolling. If we think that trolling is just trying to like, you know, hijack a thread and raise a ruckus, this was more like just cyberbullying, you know, just mm-hmm. being an asshole. And uh, yeah, I just – I don't know if Facebook still uses that feature I feel like that would be something they would have gotten a lot of pushback on because it's definitely – I'm sure it outed all kinds of bad behavior. Mm-hmm. I think so. And I have, a fe- I have a feeling those people would say something to Facebook about it too. <laughs> they have no problem. Those people. Yeah. yeah. Those, those people. Well, so this survey that I'm talking about is seven years old and I bet this would have been around mm-hmm. that time when, uh, when I that Facebook algorithm change happened and I think it did make people more aware – of the trolling that was going around uh, on that they didn't know about. Because previously, I would have never seen someone I know commenting on some random news story bullying someone. Like, I just wouldn't have seen that. Yeah. Was, the odds of that happening would have been very, very small. So we know now that trolling is even wilder. I gave you all the statistics in the beginning. So if back then, seven years ago, 
a quarter of people were engaging in this kind of behavior, how many people do you think are doing it now? If 70% of people are experiencing some sort of online abuse during the pandemic, does that mean that we still have about a quarter of people doing the bullying? And then there's like 2% of people who just, I don't know, not on the internet. I'm not really sure. Yeah. I wouldn't expect that if we did this survey now, the number would be much, much higher. Yeah. What that means is that lots of ordinary people, people we know, people we like, Mm -hmm. are engaging in bad behavior on the internet. And as I was researching this episode, I was seriously like trying to think of people in my life who I would most suspect of doing this kind of stuff. It was interesting. It was a strange exercise for sure. So this survey, once again, it's totally from the prehistoric era. It's when people used Facebook a lot. It makes some interesting call-outs that are actually timeless. Mm -hmm. And they lead us to some of the root causes for bad behavior on the internet. So now we're finally going to get down to like, why are people terrible on the internet? Are you ready? (laughs) Yes. So 77% of Americans think that anonymity contributes to trolling. Absolutely. And that is in fact, yes. Like various studies have proven this. These these studies weren't even about the internet. They just indicated that when we can't be held responsible for our actions, we tend to act more unethically. Mm-hmm. For example, there was a famous study done in the 1970s about Halloween. <laughs> I bet you didn't know we were going to talk about Halloween uh-huh. today. But basically the study found that children wearing masks to go trick-or-treating versus kids who were wearing costumes but with no masks – were more likely to steal candy from a communal bowl of candy. Then they redid with the same group of kids where they would have adults there who would ask them their names and no one stole any candy. Interesting. Yeah, really, really interesting. So that anonymity, that quasi-security of a username, emboldens us to Mm -hmm. be jerks. Although, once again, why you would troll someone on Facebook your whole fucking life is there. I, I don't know. It is. You'd have to make your make a different account, but it's not anonymous. Right. And I mean, Instagram is easier to troll because, right, people like create mm-hmm. fake accounts solely yes. for trolling, you know, and being jerks. Um, it's a lot easier. There's also this perceived safety of not actually being in the same physical space as the person you're targeting. Furthermore, the fact that you probably don't even know the person you're insulting makes it even easier because you can't actually witness their reactions to the insults or whatever you're saying. Like if that one woman who messaged me and said that she hoped I would get skinned alive, whatever, came to my house and said – she wouldn't. She would never say that to my face. She would literally never say that to my face. Mm -hmm, Because for one, I'd probably call the police, right? But it felt safe to say that to me on Instagram. You don't have that personal moment with someone – that you might have in real life. So it makes it easier to heap on some really nasty behavior. In real life, you know, you would see that person's facial expression. You would see their demeanor change when you said something terrible. You don't get that. About half of Americans believe a commenter has crossed the line if they are deliberately trying Mm -hmm. to upset one or more people. Yeah. Cross the line. And while it might seem otherwise, the majority of human communication is actually nonverbal. You know, it's like body language and eye contact, speech tone and language patterns. That's why even Zoom is so frustrating, right? Since we're left with so little, like, information about an interaction when we're just reading a caption or a comment, Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. we expect the worst. We draw the worst conclusion immediately. And that's all based in all kinds of like evolutionary science. And that makes us lash out. It's the fight or flight right there. And to be fair, research has also indicated that we expect people to be mean on the internet. We're like, that's what the internet's for. You know, is it it, we expect them to be mean because we've just seen it our entire lives, or is it just do we expect the people to be mean because we've seen it offline? Also, I think it's because we have we just see it constantly on the internet. Mm -hmm. I think we all see it so much more than we even are like really fully processing it. Yeah, you know, so we just figure people are going to be terrible on the internet. A study found that participants were were much more surprised when a hurtful statement was delivered in person versus online, which is fair. I would be really shocked to have yes. someone over and then just start saying something nasty to me or coming mm-hmm. up to me at the grocery store or whatever. People expect hurtful statements online, and therefore they're not surprised by them. Also, the more surprised one is by a hurtful comment, the more hurtful that comment ends up being. So – People, a lot of this trolling, even though we um, think that the internet is where you go to be mean, a lot of it's still really shocking when it happens to you. Yeah. Where you're like, yeah, what? Absolutely. You just said, called me a commie pinko because I don't like Black Friday? That hurt my feelings, but I'm like, actually, like, touche. You know, <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> and since people expect the internet to be a cruel, toxic waste dump, they feel mm-hmm. more empowered to be cruel themselves. Yeah. Basically, many people feel that the internet is the place to go to be mean and take out your frustrations on other faceless people. This is how otherwise decent, upstanding people are assholes on the internet. Like like in shrill. Yeah, exactly. Although that guy might have been a troll. We're going to talk about he that might, one. Yeah. Okay. In the next episode. But okay. that one's that story's fascinating to me. One last thing that is all part of this puzzle. Psychologists believe that constantly presenting our like best selves, the curated version of our lives on social media, and then collecting all those likes and comments is giving us an inflated sense of self-esteem. This empowers us to be mean to one another mm. on the internet. It's sort of like why were the p- most popular girls in high school also the meanest ones? I mean, it's a universal fact. Totally. Why? Right? It's the same thing. I'm not totally sure about this theory because I don't feel like the internet has given me an inflated self-esteem at all. In fact, it has made me more nervous about living in this world. Yes, but of course. <laughs> I could see, like, if you have a lot of people telling you, like, you're hot, you're so cool. I'm so jealous. Like you would maybe start to be like, I'm a mean, popular girl now. I don't know. I, I've i never been popular, so it's hard for me to understand when you make that transition into being a jerk. Like it's not an experience I've lived. What do you think about that theory that people are getting an inflated sense of self-esteem? I don't actually know if it's necessarily self-esteem. I really think it's that an- anonymity thing. I think I think that's the biggest part of it. So, I mean, I'm sure, that, sure there probably there's some people that have the self-esteem and self-esteem something or you know if they have specific followers who also are like-minded about their thoughts Mm -hmm. like that can definitely help inflate them and you know and they'll get the support of those people but yeah I mean I think there are a lot of different reasons but there's also like a lot of weird chicken egg stuff going on here because yeah we wouldn't think of the internet as a place we go to be mean to people 
if it hadn't started being that place at some point. The last thing, and this one's really interesting to me, is that a lot of people, this is another, like there's been research into this, they don't realize, and I mean this like realize it in like a deep like comprehension psychological way, that the things they type into comments or DMs are being said out loud because our brains Mm -hmm. just think we're typing. They don't actually hear it as like a a message to someone else that everyone else can hear. In fact, a a lot of people may be disconnected from the real actual this is happening now-ness of the internet. I was reading an interesting story about how this is one way that people basically like overspend buy too much stuff online because it doesn't feel real to them until like they have all the credit card debt. Yeah. And I thought that was interesting too. Like for for many people, there's a disconnect from the internet as reality. And I think that's not everyone because I think so many of us rely on the internet for our jobs and stuff that like we see it as real life, you know, like having conversations with coworkers and stuff on yeah, Slack. Exactly. Work emails, these things make the internet real to you. But if you're not engaging in the internet in that way as a part of your real day-to-day life, you might see it as just not real in general. And that's I think that's interesting because we know, I mean, we talked about like influencers renting out sets that look like private jets for photo shoots, right? Like there's there is a lot yes, of stuff exactly. that's not real on the internet. It's confusing. The yeah. whole thing is confusing. It's just, uh, I, I think it's a lot of like trying to get, like you said, trying to get attention. It's a lot of people who just want that attention. You know, influencers can do it. Yeah. Why can't they do it? And they can do it maybe through a negative form as opposed to maybe something that is, is a little less hard. Yeah. I mean, attention is attention for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It's like the id of your of yourself. Just this like, you know, childish being deep with inside you is creating this this creature to to lurk around and upset other people but for you you're getting something out of it they're like feeding off of it like Colin yeah there were a lot of movies in the late 90s and early aughts about the internet and it going like a really dark way where it would be like <laughs> yes. all porn and like fights and stuff like that. It was all about everybody's like darkest desires being real on the internet and like there'd be virtual reality and all that stuff. Of course, we haven't gotten there completely in technology, but let's be fair, roughly 50% of the internet is is rough, you know? <laughs> There's also mm-hmm. great stuff on the internet and it's a great way to access information and meet other people and build relationships and, you know, better yourself, better the world. Like it, it's a mixed bag. Um, I'm not ready to give up on the internet yet. So that's a great transition to the next thing I want to talk about. Where do people like to troll? And the answer, according to that same YouGov survey, is literally everywhere on the internet. Oh, my God. Even on Yelp and TripAdvisor. Really? (laughs) Yelp and TripAdvisor, and this was in 2017, so I'm sure it's much higher. Or 2014? Is this 2000? Anyway, this was years ago. 20% of of these sort of review sites like Yelp and TripAdvisor Mm -hmm. would see trolls at least once a week. Obviously, chat boards, forums like Reddit, Mm -hmm. 
were the biggest. They saw the most, right? But social media was right there behind it. Blogs, entertainment articles, YouTube. I mean, dude, do not read the comments on YouTube. Sometimes I would say the comments on YouTube are like the worst comments I've seen anywhere. That's true. Like they're really, really bad, it's, right? It, and do you feel like it's like – doesn't YouTube have like a like a foundation and a lot of younger – yeah, yeah, totally, totally. I think mm-hmm. that that is a big part of it for sure. So um, I, some of the articles I was reading that are were like trolling for people under 25 is like worse than it's ever been. Wow. Um, but I do think that the last couple elections, the pandemic, mm-hmm. all of the sort of like so-called culture war that we're living in right now here in the United States has made all ages – embrace trolling on the internet you know what i mean it's like it's for everyone now yeah um we know that people like to fight online about politics the economy the pandemic but it turns out that they want to fight about everything online Mm -hmm. politics news religion celebrities sports emotional experiences like death and trauma personal stories personal content like a vacation photo people are fighting about science and gaming and health you name it trolling is happening there or not even trolling just bad behavior right Mm -hmm. the same survey this was really interesting to me also found that men were more likely to argue with someone on the internet about opinions and facts than any other group This study also showed that the vast majority, almost 73% Mm -hmm. of trolling victims are female. Like, this just seems to be the baseline for trolling, that it's mostly men and women are mostly the victims. It's not men trolling other men, right? There's definitely a gender gap when it comes to trolling. Although, to be clear, a lot of the snark accounts and subreddits that I follow seem to have predominantly femme communities following Mm -hmm. them. So we're not innocent either. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, of course. Of course. In 2017, a study from researchers at Brunel University in London and Goldsmiths, University of London. That's a lot of words right there. Uh Uh, This study took the world by storm. Seriously, I found like easily a thousand articles about this and they all this study generated headlines like why most trolls appear to be men like it was Mm. like finally now we know for certain that trolls are (laughs) men which i think we were already kind of picking up on like when i see something trolly happening i hear it in a male voice that's how much it's in my head like you know what i mean like i just i just assume the findings suggested that narcissism is at the heart of trolling. No surprise here. There you go. With with men more likely to displace these kinds of characteristics than women were. Of course, this study, like so many, was done with very binary assumptions about gender. Mm -hmm. So it already feels really ancient and out of date. But it's still important. Each participant rated themselves on a 13-point narcissistic personality scale. And then they rated themselves on a relational self-control scale. Then they were quizzed on their social media behavior and usage. And here's what the study had to say. Men were more likely to use social media in an antisocial way than women who were more inclined to use it for pro-social activities, 
with women obtaining a strong sense of belonging and connectedness from the communities they participated in online. Mm -hmm. Basically, women are more likely to use social media to build relationships with others, while men are there to destroy relationships and make trouble. Mm -hmm. Something like that. Yeah. And I can I can see that. Neil talks about this sometimes where how, you know, the older that men get, the more lonely they are, like the less friends they have. And it's almost like, you know, women can it can feel the same way, but they are they they know how to socialize a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And instead of men reaching out to create safe social safe and healthy social groups, they're basically just you know, spending their time being damaging instead. Yeah. Interesting, right? Mm-hmm. The study said, quote, the link between narcissism and stronger antisocial Facebook use might be connected with the general tendency of narcissists to hold extremely mm-hmm. positive opinions of themselves, which may alienate others. By posting self-promoting content on Facebook, narcissists may seek to cultivate an online profile which attracts admiration and views, but ultimately isn't very concerned with pro-social outcomes. Mm. And this was interesting to me because, you know, remember when I told you the story about the raccoon guy? Of, of course. I think everybody does. <laughs> Who could forget? A story for the ages. <laughs> this guy was, like, obsessed with his image on Facebook. He would curate his, like, what would you call it? Your Facebook page? Is that mm-hmm. what it is? Your profile? I don't know. Yeah, the profile. He would curate it. He would go through it periodically – and delete posts that he didn't think were funny or good enough. Wow. Like he was obsessed with his image on Facebook, which I thought was like weird. I, I still think it's weird. It, it it didn't sit well with me. I mean, of course, I kept hooking up with him for years. That's a whole other story. <laughs> but as I mentioned, I'm a, I'm a real liker. Like I like a lot – and it's, it aligns with what they're saying here with like how women use social media, especially in the era of like – when we were using Facebook regularly, I would always like people's posts or like leave a nice comment, like be really supportive, friendly, that kind of thing. That's that's how you maintain friendships, right? Mm-hmm, you know, exactly. And you show support and like that you're like you read it and that you care and you're glad to hear they're doing well, that kind of stuff. And one day he commented on my Facebook page. He said, "You would like anything that you saw on the internet. I could post a photo of shit." And you would like it. You should be embarrassed. Whoa. And like that's some like troll that's behavior troll. right there. Yes, that is. I know. I mean, I deleted that post, but I was like, what the fuck? Wait, like, where did this he, come from? He wrote it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really <laughs> weird, right? But like as I was reading this research, I was like, oh, my God. Like this is this guy. You know? Yeah. Like he is like obsessed with his image. And he got an extraordinarily, extraordinary amount of validation from his Facebook post. And, like, he would delete things that he didn't think were funny enough or hadn't gotten enough likes. Mm -hmm. Like, his persona was so wrapped up in just making funny Facebook status updates. Like, I mean, that's the most depressing thing I've ever said out loud. But He's so small. He takes so much credit in in these posts and what people see. Ugh. But this isn't like an yeah. isolated incident. Like, this is common. I mean, that's it's what like, the study is saying. It's where you know? FOMO comes from. Yeah, yeah. The study went on to say that 
changing how men perceive status within their community, like their online community, might help to reduce their perceived need to troll. Mm. It's almost like they're too confident, but like under that confidence is a lot of insecurity. Definitely. Right? Classic. Classic. But in the midst of the study, a really clear profile for spotting a troll emerged. A lot of their content will be really self-promotional about them, right? They will often post frequently with those updates, including brags about their achievements. Sounds like sounds like a president we used to have. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the more often they post, however, the less they are likely to receive the validation they crave. Also true. Mm. They get frustrated when contacts don't comment or like their content. Right. The same guy who was curating his Facebook page would have conversations with me. Like we'd be out at a bar having some drinks, going out for dinner, about how disappointed he was about how his Facebook status update hadn't gotten that many likes. And I would laugh because I thought he was joking, but I think he was being serious. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Yeah, I think he was. They also get very angry against negative comments. Like they lose their shit. In my opinion, this these things I just listed, that feels like the profile of the like career trolls, as in people who do this on a regular basis, like this is a way of life for them. And it's not the same as the people who are having a bad day or feeling particularly passionate about something and then go to the comments section or slide into someone's DMs to get hashtag wild and mean. Yeah. Are they getting like dopamine hits? They're, they're, they're getting something out of it that's like some they sort must, of right? positive, yeah, re- some sort of positive reinforcements happening. And it's like the attention, the dopamine, something's happening. And that's why oh, they keep doing it. For sure. And I mean, this, this kind of goes back to when we were talking about online dating, how online dating had given a lot of particularly men but also women who might have not had a lot of dating options in the past, in the pre-internet era, it gave them like an almost infinite list of dating options, right? It like opened the door to so many more people than they ever would have met in real life. Mm -hmm. And I think that for the people who are engaging in this kind of trolly behavior, they probably wouldn't get that much attention in real life because most people – don't get very much attention in real life. Like most of us are just <laughs> living life, right? That's true. Um, and they need that attention. And this is a place where they can get it. It's a more captive audience. It's a bigger audience. And validation. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's like you have access to way more people that way than you ever would in real life. So 2017 must have been like the year everyone got obsessed with figuring out why and how trolling happens. Which is funny because if you if we thought people were jerks on the internet back then, the pandemic was like, hey, hold my beer. I'm going to show <laughs> yes. you, right? Yes, yes. So another study that same year by the University of Manitoba generated also just tons of hot and spicy headlines like internet trolls are actually jerks in real life too, which doesn't surprise me actually. I mean, like yeah. based on everything we've talked about so far, I'm like, yeah, yeah, sounds about right. So yeah. This study revealed, dun, 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 that online trolls exhibit antisocial behavior in their offline settings as well. And you know what? I can imagine it because how many offices have you worked in and you just worked with a bunch of jerks? Oh, my God. And you're just like, how do these people exist? And then you're like, it just, 
it definitely makes sense that that <laughs> yeah. that they're kind of everywhere. They do are. You know, my last job was the first time I'd worked with any significant number of men, like in mm-hmm. my whole career. There'd be a couple guys, but you know how fashion is, right? It's like mm-hmm. it's mostly women. My last job, because we worked alongside like engineers and developers and you know, I don't know, like computer doing stuff people. Uh, it was like it was pretty split, like 50% men, 50% women. And the way these dudes would talk to each other in meetings, talk to us in meetings, and just generally behave blew my mind, Kim. Like I, I was just like, wow, these people are fucking terrible. This survey, uh, revealed that those who troll online also tend to have the featuring traits of, this is something very chilling sounding, the dark tetrad personality. And so that consists of three, I'm sorry, four bad, bad personality characteristics all rolled into one person. So Machiavellianism, which is the Mm -hmm. willingness to manipulate and deceive others. It's how you get ahead in this world. That's what they'll tell you. Narcissism, which is egotism and self-obsession. Psychopathy, which is the lack of remorse and empathy, mm-hmm. and sadism, which is pleasure in the suffering of others. Yes. And furthermore, quote, cyber trolling appears to be an internet manifestation of everyday sadism. Wow. Yeah. So hmm. this kind of trolling that they were specifically talking about was not the person who was like, um, I noticed in the third paragraph that you missed a comma. And this isn't the person who just, like, shows up there and posts wild stuff so everyone will interact with them. These are the people who are, like, being cruel and terrible to people on the internet. Like, we're going to talk about this in the next episode, but the the plot line in shrill. Like, this is that kind of behavior. So over the last few years, we've seen more and more blogs disable their comment sections, more Instagram profiles or limiting comments to followers, et cetera. Like everybody's sort of trying to batten down the hatches and keep these trolls out. And that does remove the headache of having to moderate these areas. Man, I the people who have to be moderators on Reddit, I don't know how they do it because I see some crazy shit that slips through the cracks. Just imagine having to read people being terrible all day, every day. Oh, God, I don't know. Yes. I, I can't imagine. But the thing is that removing the removing access to places where you control doesn't stop the trolling at all. Erin Buckles is one of the writers of that University of Manitoba study, and she told Slate, "Because the behaviors are intrinsically motivating for sadists, comment moderators will likely have a difficult time curbing trolling with punishments like banning users." Mm-hmm. Ultimately, the allure of trolling may be too strong for sadists (laughs) who presumably have limited opportunities to express their sadistic interests in a socially desirable manner. Wow. I don't even know what that – like, what would that be? (laughs) I don't even know the socially desirable manner in which you can be sadistic. I – well, that's – the sadism of it. <laughs> I don't know. I know. Um, I know. So it's like, okay, so let's kind of summarize where we are right now. Some people troll because they need attention, basically, right? They're narcissists. Mm-hmm. Some people troll because they're just, they can, because they got to get it out somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. And the internet is, un- they feel safe and anonymous, I guess. 
some people troll because they have these terrifying personalities. Yes, Those clearly. Those the people who are doing the like really yeah, bad trolling. The heavy work. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. The ones who are like creating bots to yeah. troll trans people on Reddit. Like that's these people. Some people troll because they are hashtag born to troll. Others do it because they're stressed out and anxious. But we also can't forget that trolls were literally weaponized to win mm-hmm. the 2016 election, to make the 2020 election even wilder, to get people to question climate change, masks, vaccinations, you name it. These are like literal like professional trolls for hire, you know? I don't know if their hearts are in it. I don't know if it's a labor of love. I don't know if it's a dream job. I don't know if like your average troll who works in troll farm gets up every day and is like, is it work if you love what you do? I don't know. But this is like another aspect of trolling that almost can make it confusing, especially when we look at things that are like, I don't know, like the target issues for a lot of these professional troll farms, Um, like, you know, political stuff, the pandemic climate change that gets a lot of these troll farms too studies have found that these trolls these like professional trolls are successful in getting people to question science policy Mm -hmm. they have seen that it talks people into like all kinds of platforms whether that's like to not get vaccinated or that climate change isn't real it specifically makes people sort of resistant to science which is scary But this is like a dark industry of troll farms that are creating fake accounts and pages and getting Mm -hmm. people really riled up. And you can't tell – you can't tell if they're real people or not, you know, because they're doing such a good job of mimicking, you know, those honest-to-goodness genuine trolls. (laughs) It's so interesting to me. And like knowing now, because I feel like since the 2016 election, you know, more and more has come out about how these troll farms created like Facebook groups to motiv- mo- like mobilize people like, on both sides, you know? Like, or it would be like pro Bernie bots that were really hired by like, you know, the Russians to help Trump win the election, like this kind of stuff. And I th- now I read any kind of article about politics and I read the comments and I'm like, which one of these are real people? You know? Yeah, of course. Well, because, I mean, yeah, if, if they're able to make bots, you know, <laughs> yeah. they could just, like, they could find, you know, key words that are coming up in, in articles and then just have bots go after it. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that wild? Mm-hmm. But I still think there's still tons and tons of people out there trolling, like, legit, genuine, homegrown trolls. <laughs> yeah, there are. So... That's all I have for today. But in our next episode, we'll be talking about the age-old question, to feed the trolls or not to feed the trolls. Basically, how (gasps) to deal with trolls. And uh, unsurprisingly, people have a lot of opinions here and best practices. And Amanda's pretty good at at fending them off. So I'm very interested to hear (laughs) what she says. My approach is kill them with kindness until they just Mm -hmm. go away. Uh, Mm -hmm. Someone sent me... I real a message like a week or two ago that was very trolling about like I don't even like it was about the it was about economics to be really honest and uh, I kind of thought they might be just being a jerk but I wasn't sure and so I 
pulled all this research and sent them all these articles and was like, if you have more questions, like, please reach out. Like, I will, I totally have more stuff I can share with you. And it was being really genuine and I never heard from them again. So that worked. That worked. worked. But also, maybe mm-hmm. they were like, oh, wow, I learned some new stuff. So I'm not saying some people are unredeemable, like, in term, not <laughs> like, not that they are unredeemable as people, yeah. but that the interaction is unredeemable, right? Like, this isn't turning yeah. around, at least at that moment. But they have no interest. That's, that's not why they're trolling. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Or they're just angry or they just wanted mm-hmm. to yell at someone, you know, mm-hmm. but couldn't. It's a pandemic and they're alone. So we're going to talk about that, and we're also going to talk about how we, average people, can curb our own trolley impulses. Because Mm -hmm. just want to remind you, at least a quarter of all of you listening have been doing some trolling. (laughs) That's true. Um, You're totally right. I would love to have some stories from all of you uh, for the next episode about trolling, uh, your experiences with it, your thoughts on it, funny stories angry stories, sad stories, whatever. So please call the hotline, send us a voice memo, or just send us an email. We want to hear from you. And that's all I have for today. Awesome. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, So everyone. much research. Oh, my God. Seriously, like two weeks of research. I know you've wanted to do this because you were getting trolled. You're just like, I want to figure this out. Yeah, well, so, and I was just I appreciate seeing it. it. I was just seeing yeah. it everywhere. And I was like, what the Ugh. hell has happened? Even on like Instagram accounts where you would assume everybody was pretty like-minded, like have the same mission, like environmental, you know, mm-hmm. Instagram accounts, people who are like f- anti-plastic, that kind of stuff. We're like, you're like, you guys are all on the same team. I'm pretty sure like people being real nasty to one another mm-hmm. in the comments. And I was like, wow, why? Why? Yeah. Anyway. Well- you're getting down to it. We're getting down to it. So next week, we'll talk about how to cope with it. I don't know. Maybe we'll get some other cool stories from all of you. Cool. Yeah, I hope right. so. Thank you so much, everyone. Mm-hmm.